And welcome to another edition of the KFAN College Football Podcast. I'm Justin Gard, alongside our good buddy Dan O'Brien. OB, it's already week six of the college football season. I had to do a little bit of a double take this morning, but we're basically at the halfway point Yeah, here. we're close. You're exactly right. <laughs> and the weather outside, the Twins lost last night, so that's a, that's another reminder that, that we're getting late in the fall. And uh, it was a little crisp this morning outside, too, so it's definitely that time of year. It's uh, Yeah, Twins are done. The Lynx are about to be done as we record this. Uh, on a Wednesday, they play Game 5 of the WNBA Finals tonight at Williams Arena. And, uh, yeah, it's basically the Wild start on Thursday, the Wolves start, so we're definitely transitioning. But still a lot of football left to be played, and that's what we're going to talk about on the uh, episode this week. Uh, we got to start with the Gophers because we always do. Ob a tough start to conference play at home. TCF Bank Stadium. They, uh, they with two minutes left, they tie the game up. And I want to talk about how they came back um, at some point. But thirty-one twenty-four, Maryland comes in and beats the Gophers. The backup quarterback uh, to the backup quarterback, Max Bortenschlager, had a decent day. Ty Johnson had a great day running the ball. Lorenzo Harrison as well, and DJ Moore, of course, had uh, eight receptions or so yards. We talked about it on Sunday, and we've talked about it during the week as we get more separation from that game. What what continues to stand out for you? Well, I think there are a few things. You know, the things that I like that I saw, uh, number one, I think we're doing a great job of, of being one of the least penalized teams in, in the country, and I think we are probably the least penalized team in the Big Ten, or very, very close if we're not there. So I thought that was a positive. I liked what Connor did in terms of throwing for, you know, he threw for almost 230 yards. I thought that was great. The tight end stayed involved. Yeah. Um, I think we had four or five receivers with two catches or more. Uh, I thought that was great. And Phil Howard came out and had a nice uh, nice day. But uh, I would say the thing that probably you look back at the most and, and say, hey, what happened? Why, why did we end up losing that game? And I, I think two things stand out to me. Uh, number one, uh, we lost the line of scrimmage, uh, battle on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And the second thing was the self-inflicted errors. Yeah, I and mean, PJ said it game. you lose on the offensive side, you lose on the defensive side. You lose special teams, adds up to a loss, right? That's, that's I mean, all three phases. All, there, of the game, there, there yeah. are no other phases um, yep. of the game there. Let's stick with the defense because that, you know, obviously they're dealing with some things in the secondary that we can talk about, but uh, they, they they go into that game. And that's why non conference is always screwy as well. You know, people throw out statistics. I think the Gophers led the country in rushing defense right. going yeah, into the game. So yards or less, you feel like that's a, a strength, and, and it might still prove to be. Uh, but it was uh, kind of remarkable to see Maryland come in and do what they did. The backs are good. P.J. talked about it all week. Uh, they didn't tackle very well early. Maryland got a little bit of momentum. But in terms of stopping the run, 260 yards, that's going to – I mean, the Gophers have done that to people for years, right? I mean, that's a heck right. of a formula to win a ball that, game. That's supposed to be us, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but you know what? One of the things I noticed, I'm one of those goofy guys now that, that I'm not coaching. I, I'm one of those guys that gets in there early. I like to watch warm-ups and – the seats that I sit in are right near uh, where the visiting team warms up. And one of the first things I notice is how big they look compared to Middle Tennessee and, and some of the stuff that I saw earlier in the year. So I, I kind of looked at their offensive line and their defensive line and said, holy man, this is definitely, yeah. we're in a Big Ten now. So I think that was a, that was a big piece of it. You're right, defensively, um, gosh, five out of our five top tacklers, three of them were defensive backs. And that tells you that they're having some se- success against us up against the front seven. So that's something that I'm sure we'll take a look at. You can chalk it up to a couple of different things, but uh, we got we got to tackle a little bit better. But uh, give some credit to Maryland too; they had a pretty good day. It, well, historically, this team has been really good tackling. You know, this season yeah. they have been. When you were coaching, obviously they were they were good tacklers as well. And I don't think you become. I think there is like, maybe just a, a little bit of a, a jump up when you say. And PJ even said it regarding like eight men in the box. He said eight men in the box against Middle Tennessee is a lot different than eight men in the box. It's just going to be different, and you could definitely tell. We were dealing with a different level 
of playmaker with Maryland this past week. Yeah, no doubt. And the running back and the receiver, you know, the Johnson kid and the Moore kid, I think both those guys are, are NFL players. Yep. And the quarterback, we want to, you keep hearing he's the third string guy. He's their third string guy. He started a game last year. It's not like he hasn't played. Uh, and they did some things with him that uh, that allowed him to be successful. You know, we talked about didn't get much pressure on the quarterback. Well, he's sitting back in the shotgun. He's taking a, qu- a quick three-step drop, getting the ball out of his hands, and and uh, that's tough. You're not going to get pressure against an offensive like that. So Antoine Winfield's uncertain. Obviously, when you deal with a hamstring in camp that keeps you out basically the whole camp, and then it pops back up again, that's going to be worrisome. I think we talked about Demarius Travis's hamstring yeah. from a couple of years Kept ago. Him out it the whole year. Bizarre injury, right? I mean, you just never know. It can feel good. It can feel good, and then all of a sudden, it's gone. So let's assume he's not with the Gophers this week or for an extended period of time. How do you put the, the chess pieces together? You know Duke McGee is going to be out again, at least for this week. We'll see what happens moving forward with him. But how do you put the chess pieces together to try to figure out who to put where and, and how to make sure the secondary kind of stays you know, where they've been the last couple of years? Well, now that you did take the red shirt off of Handy Holly, so you got to expect that if once you do that, you're kind of committing. You're, you're playing you're, him. You're saying that he's going to play. And I did notice that they did have him listed as, as a probable starter. Yep. Uh, so you got you got uh, he you got Jacob Huff uh, and you got Kunle Ayande. who Kunle's been playing for a lot uh, a bunch of years. He's had a ton of snaps. So you got a couple of kids out of those three that will that have had some some snaps or, or plenty of snaps. Um, with that whole deal, when you're playing with a young kid like that, you got to go back to your basic your your basic uh, defensive uh, plans and, and and what you do out of your base defensive package. And you say, hey, let's get better at the at the things that we do. Let's not get fancy. Let's allow him to be able to play fast, and in order to play fast, you have to know exactly what you're doing on every single play. You can't be thinking. So I think that they'll go back to some of that stuff and and uh, and, and go from there. Let's uh, stick with Maryland before we talk uh, some redshirt stuff and, and getting younger players ready to play. I want your insights on some of that. But you know, DJ Durkin has been there now a couple of years. He's put together some back-to-back top 25 recruiting classes. A lot of players in that D.C. area, as I'm sure you right. know. It is. Um, and he's, he came with a great reputation in Maryland, right? And now he's he's building his program, and like I mentioned, with the recruiting classes. But it's always uh, – I always like, just as kind of a coaching nerd, I love watching, even though at this point uh, it, it helped extend the lead against the Gophers, so I don't like that right before the halftime interview right. with the head coach. That's never fun for the that's never fun <laughs> for the sideline guy. Yeah, never then, fun, no. never fun for the sideline guy. Uh, but I, it's 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 weird for me. I like watching well coached teams execute a well coached plan. You know what I mean? Like you could tell Maryland has practiced the two minute drill or the one minute drill or the we've got one play. You have to get here. You have to slide, and we have to call timeout. Really good execution by them before the half. Yeah, and you know what? It, it, when you're when you're trying to defend that, it's you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You know, if you took a look back at what we did, we had three guys on the goal line, and we had uh, two guys, another two or three guys that were probably oh, 15 to, tw- to 20 yards off the line of scrimmage. And, and then we get the extra timeout in there, and they go back and say, hey, let's take a look at this deal. They pop one up the middle on us. Slide down, and then all of a sudden we get two more seconds added to the clock. <laughs> the half had run out to get a couple seconds added to the clock, yeah. and they kick one in. But uh, that was some, that was a, a great piece of coaching. There's no doubt about it. Again, but defensively, again, it's a, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Glenn Mason would say, uh, nowhere else in the Big Ten would the clock operator somehow be able to add <laughs> two seconds. He's had he had a couple of good moments at the dome that he he likes to remind us of, where he can't believe the clock operator he goes that wouldn't happen at Ohio State. It's our own guy. It would go. Yeah. It would go to triple zeros. You say whatever you want. 
Uh, red shirts. You mentioned Handy Hollies has been taken off. It's, yep. it's a topic a lot of times when you take over. I remember when, when Coach Kill took over and you're trying to figure out who who's going where. You're trying to balance the winning games now for also preserving for the future. How How is it communicated to kids typically, You know these young freshmen, in the recruiting, maybe even going all the way back to the recruiting yeah, process? Sure. Yep. I'm sure when you recruit these kids, depending on who they are, you're probably telling them there's an opportunity to play. Some of them might say, we need you to play right away. But there's also some of those fringe guys where you say, we'd love you to come in. We think we can redshirt you. We want you to be here for five years and develop with our strength coach and all of that. But how does that communication evolve with the kid as injuries and attrition happen where you might need to pull those things? Right. Well, first of all, you hit it right on the head when you talked about it starts in the recruiting process because those are conversations that you have in the living room with mom or dad or mom and dad. And you're talking about, hey, here's the plans are and here's why we are recruiting you. You know, we're thin at your spot. We think you're going to play early. Or, you know, our goal is to be able to redshirt you. And to be honest with you, you want to redshirt as many of those guys as you can, particularly the offense and defensive linemen. Those guys need a little bit of time to mature and to develop and to get stronger. The skilled kids, they can get on the field a little bit faster. And, you know, we saw, we've seen a bunch of them so far for the Gophers. But so those conversations happen early. They happen throughout the course of the year with Handy Holly. You know, they've had him ready for a while. And I think yeah. that had, had, Winfield stayed healthy. You get through that game with Winfield. You know, I'm not sure what Duke McGee's situation is going to be when he'll be back, but I'm sure they would have preferred to have redshirted him if he can. But the situation dictated he needed to be ready to go. Uh, at some point, you got to start to take a look at where you are in the season. Right. You know, we start to get much later in the season, then you really don't want to do it unless it's an absolute emergency situation. Or unless you're going for like the Big Ten West Championship and you need to win that game, you right? May, yeah, exactly. I mean, you yeah, want to win every game. Situation for well, sure. Well, I remember, you know, a couple of years ago, because it, it, it gets sometimes it gets interesting. And PJ even said it this week. He goes, "There's going to be more guys you've never heard of that are going to have to play here in the next couple of weeks." And and I have a very. Um, very clear memory of the Wisconsin game at TCF Bank Stadium a couple of years ago when you guys were down like 50 defensive linemen. Right. And I was walking towards the student section part of the, because uh, Wisconsin was driving, you know, per usual, Wisconsin's running right. the ball on everybody, right? And you have no defensive linemen. And Grimm was talking about a player. And I swear to God, OB, I thought he was talking about a Wisconsin guy because I'd never heard of him. I'd never heard of his and name. He's playing for us. And I know he, exactly who you're talking I, about. I know you do. <laughs> and I'm thinking. What? Who? What? Wait, who is he? Who is this guy? And then I go, Oh yeah, I remember this guy. And I go, Wow, they really are thin. Because it's just that's. The, the, but you're not going to burn a red shirt that game, right? I mean, that was right. You know, the, late, the last game of the season, yes, so you're not going to do anything there. November. So how do you? Uh, how, how does? How much input would a player have? You know, do you do you talk to the player and say, What are you thinking? Where do you feel like you oh, are? Oh, absolutely. And and then that yeah. factor is how does that? Yeah, work? you do for sure because every every kid is a little bit different, and every family situation is a little bit different. But some kids will tell you right out of the shoot, hey, I want a red shirt. And some kids will tell you right out of the shoot, I don't want a red shirt. I think I'm good enough and I want to play now. Uh, and oftentimes it's those skilled kids that are a little bit more confident. I those bet. guys are ready to yeah. go. And then some of the linemen, they're a little, uh, a little, uh, you know, not quite as aggressive. They've about been pushed it. around by Steven yeah. Richardson all camp and they <laughs> yeah, say, they I'm said, not hey, quite ready. Right, right. I don't mind taking a little bit of time off. So, uh, yeah, they have, they certainly will have input at the end of the day. You've got to do what's in the best interest of the program, and that's what that's what Coach Fleck is doing right now. And you know what? You, you want to keep him on him as long as you can, but if you need him, you need him. It's got to be interesting for a guy like Andy Holly, and I'm sure as coaches you communicate constantly because, like you said, he's been, and PJ said this, they've been ready to play him, or he's been told to be ready to play for three weeks basically because of some of the stuff that's gone on back there. But it's got to be interesting for a freshman who's just started classes, just trying to figure out camp, 
you know, trying to figure out the whole deal to say, hey, we need you to be ready. Then Saturday comes, doesn't play. Okay, now this yeah. week, be ready. You got to be in the film room. Here's what we're doing. Get with your coaches. Get with the upperclassmen. Be ready. It's got to be an interesting deal in, you know, before they even get out there for a kid to, to really be on that fence, right? I mean, I'm sure you have to communicate with them constantly. Yep, it's an up and down deal emotionally for a kid like that, you know. And and you know what? Uh, he wants to play. Yeah. He's saying, hey, you, you're telling me to be ready. You're, I'm, I'm at the starting gate, but you're, my gate's not open. <laughs> you know, he's he's ready to go. Uh, and interestingly enough for him, he gets on the field and he's got two two guys to go against like that. So that was uh, baptism by fire for him. Yeah, and now uh, it's uh, you play him right once you take you get, a redshirt up. Yeah. Especially that there's no point in doing it and just having the guy play kickoff, you know, no. and, and doing things like that right now. So we should expect to see you know Handy Holly, maybe even an Estes this week, and then see them play the rest of the way, right? Yes, and you're right. I think we will see him a bunch of special teams as well for sure. You're gonna you're gonna play him as many snaps as you can. Uh, you know, you got to have them by the end of the year. They got to be playing like a sophomore. Speaking of special teams, that was another surprising struggle against Maryland. Uh, Emmett Carpenter has been so good. Last year, he was so good. Ryan Santoso has been good in a number of different roles in his career here. He's hit big kicks. The the one against Purdue, fittingly enough, that we're going to West Lafayette. That reminds me of the fifty three yarder he hit to beat them here a couple of years ago. Um, but special teams is an interesting animal, is it not? In that. You've got it's not as easy as grabbing an offensive lineman and saying, "Okay, we're going over to the sled. We're gonna we're gonna do this. You need to have your hands here. You need to have your feet here. You need to do all of this." Special teams, a lot of times, you're dealing with the head stuff, right? Oh, it's it's incredibly mental. There's no there's no <laughs> doubt about it. When you think about the amount of time that a, a kicker or a punter plays in a 60 minute game. You know, uh, on a on a on a on a bad day, you might punt five, six, seven times. Yeah. And he's out there, and he, he's he's standing on the sideline for the rest of the time. He's, it's, it's a five- to seven-second play for those guys. So they're in very little of the game. Uh, when you practice, you practice all week, lots of them in pressure situations as much as you can, but the majority of your practice time is spent on offense and defense. Right. And you call them out there, and they probably have a 15-minute segment of practice, maybe 20 at different parts of, of the week. Uh, and so it is. It's a challenging deal. It's a difficult deal. Every coach in the country says, "Hey, I need somebody else to handle the kickers. I can't. I, can't, I don't want to do it. You know, it's it's too much." But uh, it is a hard deal, and and sometimes those guys, it's a little bit like being a golfer, for and, sure. And all of a sudden, your your game is a gosh, I can't putt anymore. You go in streaks, or, or in basketball, you're for your shooter, and every, all of a sudden you have a, your streaks where you're really, really good, like Emmett was last year, and then all of a sudden you might have some times where you're having a little bit of a challenge and. And I don't know that we're at that point with Emmett yet. I think no. you know. I think the jury is is you know there's not even out. They're not even talking in his situation. He missed the one, uh, and that's the toughest end of, of our stadium to kick into because the wind swirls around the scoreboard. He pushed it left a little bit, and he'll be fine. He'll come back. He'll do. He'll do. He'll do a great job as he did last year. What we need to do, though, I think we need to make sure we're keep, keeping the ball in bounds on our kickoffs. That, I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. Well, I would say as a as a coach. I'm sure as a fan, we're all sitting there and we're going, how hard can it be to keep the ball inside the field? Obviously, there's if you're doing directional kicking or the special teams yep. guys trying to funnel it, I mean, there there is a fine line sometimes. And sometimes, like you said, the wind you know just kind of takes it where all of a sudden you didn't think it was going to go there. But that is a, an unbelievably deflating play just generally yeah. when you just scored maybe. And all of a sudden, like the Gophers, they scored. Uh, you know, right before right before the half, they kick it out of bounds. They give Maryland great field position, right? I mean, yeah. it can it can absolutely kill you. Yeah, you're you're getting the ball on a 35 yard line, and and uh, that's a it's a tough deal. You don't want it to happen, and and you, we do directionally kick. You know, everybody's doing that. They're going to kick the ball into the 
they're going to try to kick it into the corner uh, and try to pin them, take your guys and try to pin them down. You're going to reduce the amount of field that the return team has to work with. And yep. if you can get it to a corner, get a little box in the corner, uh, you, you can do that. Your coverage team has, has much better success on it. But, you know, again, the wind maybe came around on a couple of those and they ended up going out of bounds. But uh, if you've got to try to fix something in kickers, you want to try to fix the guy kicking off or you want to try to fix the punter, you want to try to fix the guy that's kicking off. Yeah. That's the easiest one. Yeah, yeah it would make sense. It would make sense. Yeah, it's got to be uh, It's got to be interesting uh, to, to deal with specialists. They're, they're, they often have unique perspectives. They also have They, they often have unique thoughts. Sometimes they're like Pete Mortel. You don't know he might be tweeting during the game, or you know, well, trying to raise thousands of dollars for charity. That's the uh, unbelievable. Yep, there's but, always something. Usually they're in the hot tub or something during practice. Uh, but uh, we'll get it back. And it just was one of those weeks, I think. And they've been good uh, for the most part this year. That's and I'm the, sure we will. They've had great careers here. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Ryan's yeah. been here longer, and he and he's done a number of different roles. It's it's really like for me, it was it's surprising when Emmett misses because you know starting from that Penn State game where he, you know that's basically his first big it kick and money. he, he yeah. just stones it for you guys right. Mm-hmm. So yep. I'm walking on the sideline and not even watching it because I'm going to go over to talk you know try to eavesdrop on the offense right to try to figure out what they're talking about and Mike mentions that he misses it. I'm just like I can't believe it because he's just been yeah. so good. So yeah, you definitely you have faith in them moving forward. It's just uh, yeah, it's, they'll it's, be fine. And, and gosh, Ryan's punting the ball as good as yes. he ever has, better than he ever has. He's leading the Big Ten and. Uh, in punt yardage, and uh, they'll be just fine. Let's transition into the, this week's game, going on the road to Purdue. It's a 2.30 start, uh, 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 start here in the Central Time Zone. We're going to kick off our pregame coverage at noon on the fan, a little bonus 30 minutes before we hand it off to Kevin Fallness. Purdue's coming off a bye. They're 2-2 two and two on the season. They've got a first-year first, uh, first year head coach in Jeff Brom as well. Uh, last time out, OB, they played Michigan extremely tough for three quarters, and the Wolverines kind of took over and scored 14 points, despite yep. no air conditioning in their locker room. They yeah. somehow <laughs> found a way to finish strong in the fourth quarter. But give us, the before we talk specifics, kind of your broad strokes on Purdue. My broad strokes on it, I had a chance to take a look at them a little bit. Offensively, they're in the middle of the Big Ten uh, in terms of, of, of yards that they're getting. Defensively, they're second to last. Uh, and special teams, although they have a great punter, uh, special teams are not great either. So my broad stroke in that deal coming in, uh, the key matchups will be our run game against their defense, which I think we should be able to have some success. Yep. And, of course, our secondary uh, going against their, their spread offense. David Blau, has been. it seems like he's been there forever, but I guess he's still got a couple of years left. He's reading. 27 so, years old yeah, by he, now. He's been there a long time, six touchdowns, two interceptions. Um Gave the great speech at Big Ten Media Days yeah, this year, which is he's an impressive. Kid. Always a highlight. Yeah. You know, you've had to go up. A, you've had to go up against him. I mean, what you know, this different system, of course, uh, from yeah. what they were doing before with Coach Hazel. But uh, in terms of what you see from him, what what stands out? Well, the thing that stands out to me is completing seventy percent of his passes. Right, and he's throwing to a whole bunch of different guys. He's got one guy I think that's uh, got eighteen catches, the Anthorpe kid. But otherwise, he's spreading the ball around and. And what uh, Coach Brown's brought in to Purdue seems to be a really good fit for him. So uh, looking at numbers, and this is where things can get screwy. In their two wins, OB, the Boilermakers have rushed for 234 yards on average. and their two losses, 40 and a half yards rushing. So I would say let's stop the, the run. tail of the tape right there. I would it? say let's stop the run this weekend, and you should be in a decent spot, correct? Yeah, no doubt, for so, sure. Uh, so they've got some injuries at the running back position as well. Uh, Tario Fuller is probably not going to play. He's got might get Markel Jones coming back from a knee. David Blau actually has a shoulder injury that he's been dealing with since Michigan. He left the game there, uh, but he's expected to be fine. Purdue is going to be missing a couple of their top tacklers for the first yeah. half, including Juwan Bentley, who... 
was kind of the hotshot freshman when we went there a couple of years ago. He, mm-hmm. he, I think their senior linebacker had just gotten hurt. He had to come in, speaking of red shirts, as a true freshman and, and play. But they're both going to be out uh, for the first half. There's two guys that are going to be out for targeting. Do you guys, the coaches pay attention to that kind of stuff? Do you say, well, yeah, hey, these absolutely. linebackers are going to be out for yep. target. We might be able to get this in the first half as opposed to in the second half when they come back, or is that just me being a rube thinking no, about no, it? No, not at all, particularly with a team like Purdue where you know their second guy, there could be a significant drop-off from where your starter is, uh, and he's a, he's a real good linebacker. Yeah. Um, coaches will maybe look more at the, at the skilled spots, maybe in the secondary, you know, to see if there's a way to, to get at that second safety or the second corner. Uh, that's there, but no, there's without a doubt. You you may try to plan some things uh, to go against that. Joe Tiller died over Joe the Tiller. weekend. He got the Tiller fact too. It's going to be uh, his first team. I don't know if this was pre-planned. I assume it was. They're coming back. The 1997 team. They won the Alamo Bowl. I think they won nine games in his first year. That's a heck of a start for Coach Tiller coming yeah, no over doubt. from Wyoming. But uh, as a Midwest guy, Big Ten guy through and through. What do you remember about just that era? I'll always remember watching them beat Ohio State with Drew Brees to go to the right. Rose Bowl. Awesome moment. But there was a lot of other stuff that led up to that. Oh, yeah. They've had some great players, of course. They're, most, they're known most for, for producing quarterbacks over there in his time. And he kind of was one of the first guys to bring in the spread offense yeah. uh, into the Big Ten and, and uh, you know, the basketball and grass and all that kind of stuff that people said would never work. <laughs> he, he had incredible success with it at Purdue um, one of my memories of him was that uh, at one of the Big Ten media days to listen to his last year. They had him speak a little bit. The year that he had uh, he had, re- he had uh, already said that he was going to retire at the end of the year. He had, had announced the retirement, so they had him speak, uh, and he was incredibly funny. He was yeah. engaging. He was funny, uh, and the coaches loved him. So I would imagine Ross Eight Stadium is going to be full this weekend for people uh, just want to come back. Number one, they're playing pretty good football right now. Yep. They, they had a nice crowd against Michigan, and number two. Uh, for all that Joe Tiller's done for Lafayette, I think that uh, you know that could play a factor in the game this week. Kind of interesting that the uh, I've been reading some stuff out of West Lafayette this week. Obviously, some of the columnists uh, th- there's is an interesting tone because they're kind of upset. I think there's a Joe Tiller drive somewhere in West Lafayette, but there's no like they think the field should be named after him. They think there should have been a statue. Like they're almost like wistful that they missed opportunities to honor this guy, which is kind of interesting. I think. Well, they have not had a bunch of football success. And yeah. He was the guy that brought them in, and they were competitive all the time that he was there, uh, and they won some big games. They got to a Rose Bowl, and, of course, you had Drew Brees go through there. So uh, he has done a lot for that community. He's done a lot for that school. I think I read he put, like, 50 guys in the NFL. There were 50, 50. guys that played. That's a lot of guys, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, that, like, over his time, probably going back to – it was something that at least played in a camp. You know, you can, yeah. you can mess with those numbers a little bit sure. if you want to, but – that was remarkable. This one I know Coach Mason's really going to love when Dan brings it up to him a little bit later uh, on Wednesday for those of you listening today. Joe Tiller's Boilermaker scored at least 35 points against the Gophers six times. Purdue has scored that many against the Gophers only seven other times in history. Wow. So we'll, 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 we'll mention that with Mace. I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he'll really appreciate <laughs> He'll that, really not, appreciate yeah, that. That's not going to go over well with Coach Mason for sure. Uh, so the big one. This is a stretch. Will be you know you've got uh, you know you've got Purdue this weekend. You've got Michigan State. This is allegedly supposed to be the softer part of the schedule. If you think about what goes on uh, in the Western you know, in the West Division a little bit later. Um, but if you're thinking, you know, do coaches think about like do coaches look ahead? You guys all say that you don't look ahead. You know, you're one game at a time. But do coaches know like? Where the the maybe the weaker spots are as opposed to what happens at the end of the year or is that just another? No, of course you do, of course yeah. you do. But your main focus is going to be on the game you're playing, 
And with what happened against Maryland last week, he kind of, you know, early in the year, most of us, I was one of them that looked at that game and said, hey, Maryland at home, uh, you know, we beat them. We beat them last year and beat them bad yeah. at their place. They're coming our place. We kind of had that circled as a win. Mm-hmm. And you got Purdue circled as a win. So, all right, we lost last week. What does that do? Well, it puts us in a situation where this week's pretty important. Yep. And it also means that we've got to win a game down the road, maybe that uh, you didn't have circled as a, as a win uh, at the beginning of the season. I mean, now that we maybe aren't supposed to be, we got to get it, you know, we got to figure out a Wisconsin, Nebraska, Iowa. We got to come out of there with two of those three and. You know, if they, hey, you know, because you always go in thinking you get all of them. Yes. But that's kind of what that does last week with that deal. But this week is going to be an important game on the road. Let's run through uh, the Big Ten from a week ago quickly. Penn State rolled up on Indiana 45 14. Nebraska, uh, Wisconsin, uh, it was uh, kind of close for a little while against Northwestern. Then they made a little bit of a run, but Wisconsin does what Wisconsin does. They just kind of finished the deal. You know, yeah, they eight were, sacks. Yeah. The defense played well when they had to, I guess. You know, they, they gave up 24 points, but. Um, Northwestern's good. Yeah, you know, so I mean, they've they, got they some got, players. They got one of the top running backs in the country. They got the quarterbacks back, and they got a good receiver. That's so. the underrated thing about Wisconsin. Maybe not even underrated anymore because it's been uh, five or six years. But everybody thinks about their offense and running the ball, and their defense has been like top ten nationally the last couple of years. They yeah. lose coordinators, they lose running backs, they lose guys to ACLs, and it almost doesn't seem to matter defensively. They've been just as good as they have been offensively. They right? got a system. They just keep plugging guys in. You're right. Uh, so we mentioned uh, Ohio State beat Rutgers fifty six to zero. I can't imagine Coach Kill had a fun time watching that film. No, uh, that's... no, I watched a little bit of that one, Guardsy, and it was fifty six to zero for sure. It yeah. was a it was a tough day for Rutgers. Thirty five zero at the half. There we mentioned Minnesota Maryland, and then I, I can't. I don't know how much of Iowa Michigan State you saw. Michigan State's coming here in a couple of weeks. Uh, night game at TCF Bank Stadium, which will be very cool. It's a seven o'clock kick. And we talked about Iowa last week. You know, do they get a lot of momentum because they just took Penn State down to literally the last second, or do they you know, kind of get deflated by that? Michigan State had gotten l- mostly routed by Notre Dame the week before. I couldn't decide like if I was watching good football or bad football with the Iowa-Michigan State right. game. It, it didn't seem like it just – for two teams that are typically – I mean, they played the Big Ten title game a couple of years ago. Right. It was a great game. It was a yeah. drag out down to the, the last minute. I couldn't decide like how that game – you know, win. You know what I mean? It just didn't right. seem like the cleanliness that we're used to seeing from those two programs. Yeah, I saw a little bit of it, and what stood out to me, being a defensive guy, is I thought there was two really good defenses playing. Uh, Iowa's defense obviously was really good last week against Penn State. You know, took those guys in, in, in a game where they, they feel like they should have won it. Uh, and then to take, you know, Michigan State, it was, you know, they was 17-7, I think, the end of the first half, and ended up being 17-10. They didn't score in the second half. Uh, you know, defensively, if you give up 10 points, uh, you know, like Michigan State did, or you give up 17 like Iowa did, you, you're giving your offense a chance to win. So I looked at it. I enjoyed watching. I didn't see the whole thing. You are a throwback. Yeah. I love the defensive. Yeah, I love good defense. And Michigan State, now they've they got three wins. That's what they had all last year. Yeah. And last year when something like that happens with a program like Michigan State that's had the success that they've had, they're not as bad as what their record was. It was just one of those – uh, things have normal years that that stuff happens and now they're three and one that's more like them and they'll probably be better than a lot of people think they are this year it was weird and we're, we'll talk about them a lot more next week obviously with the gophers hosting them a week from now but that Night was game too it was bizarre right to see michigan state yeah. struggle like because there's i mean is d'antonio like in the coaching profession he's like top five most respected right, yeah. right? i mean everybody no loves doubt. that guy yeah they do and he's done a great job that's 
you know, that's uh, they call it little brother school in, yeah. in the state, and you know, and that's not fair. Uh, he's done a great job there, and they got great crowds. They got again terrible locker room. We talked about that. <laughs> you know that we're talking. We're going to Purdue and their terrible locker room. Uh, but he's got things rolling there. He has. They just had an abnormal year, bumping the road last year. Michigan, Michigan State. By the way, speaking of little brother, that game uh, is this weekend. Uh, lastly, it was interesting to watch. Uh, I fell asleep for part of it because I have two young kids and I need to fall asleep at some point. But uh, the, sa- <laughs> the Saturday night Pac-12 football, the really game of the week. USC goes into Pullman, Washington, and uh, Washington State. Yeah, with Jeff Phelps, unbelievable former uh, Gopher defensive yeah. line coach. Uh, Luke Falk, I seem to remember him from the Holiday Bowl, 34-51, 340 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Uh, it's it's Mike Lee. It's what had all of us panicked about the Holiday Bowl matchup a year ago. Yeah, uh, that something like this could happen with uh, their quarterback, their skill guys, and Mike Leach. Uh, thankfully, we played him a little bit further south than Pullman, Washington, a year ago because yeah. uh, USC went in there and was, were not quite as fortunate. That was a heck of a ball game. Oh, it was a great game, and I couldn't be happier for Coach Phelps. He's one of the best in the business in terms of a good person and and a good coach. Uh, but that was a great game to watch. Again, I had the same problem you had. I couldn't stay up to see the end of it. <laughs> But uh, that's a great win for for Washington State, and and for whatever reason, USC for me has always been one of those teams you kind of <laughs> you like to cheer against anyhow. So I didn't mind seeing USC get beat, but they dropped down in the polls, and and Washington State's up. You know they're up at number eleven this week, which yeah. for them has got to be as, as high as they've maybe been in in years. So good for them. So you look at the rankings. It's Alabama. It's Clemson. And then is it everybody else still, even at this point? It's like Clemson goes into Virginia Tech, where you know Lane Stadium, great atmosphere. Justin Fuente's got that program back into national prominence. Game days there, and Clemson just no doubts them. Like yeah, Deshaun Watson's know, not I there, know. and it's just there. I, I, there's a the Minnesota native is their play-by-play voice. A good friend of mine, John Laser, he's from Chanhas, and he works for Virginia Tech now. So I was listening to him. I, I, by the time I got the kids to bed and everything, I put I popped in the uh, the iHeart app on the phone to take a listen to Laser. And he was already dejected. You know, I, I don't remember what point of it, but he was talking about bad body language and the Hokies, right. and there's no jumping around at Lane Stadium. But it's amazing. I mean, I remember when we were in Orlando a couple of years ago, Clemson's playing in the Russell Athletic Bowl right before Buffalo Wild Wings Citrus uh, yep, Bowl. I, yeah. Dabo Sweeney's doing a little uh, meet, you know, pep rally in that little mall area right by the hotel. And it's like, well, shoot. Now all they 47 do 47 people there. Yeah. Right? And now they play in national championship games, and the rest is history. It's amazing how they just reload down there. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, they're off to a great start, as they did last year. And you know, you know what they did in the national championship game last year? And. Uh, it's fun to see those two. But the great thing about college football, Guardsy, is that anybody can beat anybody on any weekend. So although those two teams, Alabama, Clemson, feels like they're they're way ahead of everybody else, uh, you know what? You never know what's going to happen. Two turnovers, and, yeah. and, and all of a sudden somebody's down and, and somebody's got somebody beat. But when I looked at the top 25 this week, the team that I think is underrated is Ohio State. And again, mm. I know you're going to tell me you're a Big Ten guy and all that stuff, and I am. But uh, watching Ohio State play Rutgers, uh, I think they're underrated. I think they'll at the end of the year they'll be one of the best teams in the Big Ten, and they'll be they'll battle for a top four spot. Yeah, the East is going to be fascinating to watch as it always yeah. is, right? Mm-hmm. Coming down the stretch here, what's it like? Uh, Ob, lastly, as we wrap up here, um, what's it like to be on this side of the glass now, out of the coaching room, where you get to do the October overreactions like the rest of us do, and you get to <laughs> hand out, you know, like right now Saquon Barkley, they just want to hand him the Heisman Trophy, right? And it looks like a good bet. But you know Lamar Jackson, you know somebody from Clemson, you know the quarterback from Alabama is going to have some something to say. I mean, there's we're halfway through basically, 
But we've all drawn our conclusions already. We've got our four playoff teams. We've got our Heisman winner. Right. And like you just said, you know some crazy S is going to happen, right? There's some crazy no stuff is going to happen yeah, in the next six absolutely. weeks. Absolutely. Like a Washington State beating USC. You know, that's that's why I think that college football is one of the greatest spectator sports that there is. Um, but there's no doubt about it. And for me, it's great to be in the seat. I get to look at things a whole bunch uh, different than what I had in the past. Uh, I never looked at it this, like I am now. So it's been a lot of fun, and uh, I look forward to, to the rest of the season. I'm just pulling up here as we wrap up West Lafayette weather um, for Saturday. Ooh, it's going to be 80 degrees. You might have to bring our own fans. Might have to bring our own yeah, fans hey, to the locker room. Sure. 80 degrees and rainy is what it says here. That's not good for the sideline guy. It'll be, I've already dealt with rain one time this year in Corvallis. I don't know if I'm ready for it in West Lafayette. Well, get your umbrella out, Gargi. <laughs> You'll be just fine. Uh, we'll talk to you Sunday morning. I look forward to Go it. Go for football Sunday. Anything else before we leave? Anything nah. in your mind? Nope. We covered it all. Been, it's, we did. It's been a great week. I can't wait for uh, Saturday to roll around. Thanks, OB. We'll talk all to you right. next week. Have a great weekend. He's Dan O'Brien. I'm Justin Gard. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the KFAN College Football Podcast. Don't forget, Gophers uh, Purdue this week. I'm already looking ahead. Gophers Purdue, noon pregame right here on the fan. Kickoff shortly after 2.30. Don't forget, go for football Sunday uh, on Sunday morning as well. Uh, no Vikings game, so I think we're going 11 o'clock tip on, the, uh, on that uh, show this Sunday. For all of us here at The Fan, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.